If you got your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open up with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 13. Matthew 13. I'm excited about this message. Um, I'm excited about this text. I got to tell you, I wrestled with it though uh, this last week because here we are the second week uh, in, in December. It's like Christmas time, and this is not necessarily a Christmas message. But um, this last week, as I was praying um, about what God would have me speak and what we'd look into, I, I just felt like I was coming back to this passage over and over again. And I believe today uh, that God wants to do some work in every one of our lives not just the person sitting next to you, but he wants to do work in your life uh, today as we get into his word and see Jesus' teaching. In Matthew chapter 13, uh, they're talking about the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus is teaching there, and the Bible says that he begins teaching in parables. And Jesus would do this a lot. He'd use metaphor and simile and stories to, uh, to try to help us understand the kingdom of God even more. And he's telling a story now, a parable uh, in Matthew 13 that's called the parable of the sower. And I just want to jump right in and read what Jesus teaches here. Starting in verse 3, it says this. Listen. Now, if Jesus starts off by saying, listen, I think it's probably pretty good that we listen, right? He says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed, and he scattered them across the field. Some seed fell on the footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seed fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock, and the seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep fruits, they died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. And verse 8 says, still other seed fell on fertile soil, good soil. And they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. Verse 9, Jesus says this very powerful statement. He says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Then verse 10 says, his disciples came to him and asked, why do you use parables when you talk to people? I find it interesting because I think there's a lot of times that um, all of us will put on a front when someone's talking where we, like, we act like we know what they're talking about, where maybe we're confused. And I believe that that is what is going on with the disciples right now. Jesus just finishes this parable, this story, and they're like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Couldn't you just clearly say what you mean to say? Like, we're talking about the kingdom of heaven. Now you're talking about farmers and seeds. What, what are you talking about right now? You guys, that's my prayer and my hope in this time right now is that we would pause for a moment and ask God the same question. God, what are you talking about? Explain it to me. I don't want this to just be another story that we read past and, and never get affected by, but we want to understand where Jesus says, anyone who has ears to hear, listen and understand. And it's my prayer today that every one of us would leave here understanding what God is trying to tell us through this story. So I want to pray before we dive into it. Let's invite Jesus to teach us right now. So Heavenly Father, we come before you right now in Jesus' name, and we're so thankful for this teaching. But just like the disciples came before you and said, please explain, what, what do you mean by this? I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would come in this room and be our teacher. That God, I would get out of the way. I wouldn't do anything to distract the truth that you want to pour into our lives. But help us right now. Help us hear and understand your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
So Jesus shares this parable. The disciples say, excuse me, we don't understand what you're talking about. Could you please explain this parable to us? And he begins to explain this parable where he says there's a farmer that goes out and he's sowing seed. And he discusses that the first group of people that seed gets sown into, he says, is like that that falls on the footpath. And when the seed falls onto the footpath, the birds come and steal the seed. So right off the bat, he's talking about the fact that there are birds that come and steal the seed. Now see, the disciples didn't know what Jesus was talking about when he was talking about the birds. So he explained it to them very clearly. He says, I want you to understand, the birds represent Satan. Okay? The birds represent the enemy, which makes sense because we know that Satan is the prince of the air. Right, that, that, that he does his work in the heavenlies. That he, uh, he, this is why there's so many catastrophes when it comes to weather. That, that, that Satan works in, in the air. In fact, the Bible says we wage war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of the air. So Satan is the little G, okay? Little G-O-D, God of this world. And, and Jesus says, I want you to understand in this story, I'm talking about Satan when I'm talking about birds who would come and steal. And he says, so this seed that went out, it was good seed. It was the word of God. It was a, it was a good thing that could, could be planted and could grow into something beautiful. It went out and some of it fell on the footpath, right? Footpath is not a good place to plant a garden. Technically, a plant could grow in the footpath, but it's not a good place because there's too much movement there, too much traffic, too much of the world coming right through the middle of what's going on that it hardens the soil. And as the soil has been hardened because of all the traffic, all the distractions, all the world moving by, then it leaves opportunity so that when God tries to plant something good in your life, the, the environment and the atmosphere of your life is so hardened to where it can't receive the seed that the enemy sees, here's an opportunity for me to come in and steal what God is trying to do in this person's life. So Jesus explains so very clearly, starting in verse 18, we're moving down the chapter a little bit, in verse 18 he says this, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. Verse 19, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. So Jesus is saying this first group of people, they're hearing God's word. The seed that he's talking about is God's word, his truth, his promise, what he wants to do in your life. He said, this first group of people, they hear it. That means this group of people, they're coming to church. They're hearing the word of God. And they, they might even agree with the word of God, but, but somewhere along the way, it's not getting down into them. It's getting stolen. I wonder, let's make this real personal for a moment. Have you ever come into a church service and you feel like you were just completely affected by the service. Maybe in worship, you felt God show up, and, and maybe you've been praying about things and looking for answers, and you feel like God began to give you answers, and you're just, you're wrecked in a service, man. You're, you're emotional. So many good things going on, and you're sitting there with tears in your eyes, and then the person sitting next to you, it's like they completely missed it. They've got a completely different feel from the service, like nothing even affected them at all. In an atmosphere that could change your life and, and you're not affected by it at all. 
I mean, you're making life decisions based on the word of God. You're saying, I'm going to go change some things. I've been doing life this way, but I'm going to go a different way. I'm going to do life God's way now. And you're coming out, you're like, you're right. My life is going to be so different now. You get in the car and they're like, man, you want to go get some wings or something? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Were you in the same room I was just in? Like, how could you be in that atmosphere and not be changed by it at all? You've got to be kidding me. We ask that question, but what you don't know is Jesus is warning us that the entire time that, that his seed is being sown into our lives, that the devil is coming and looking for opportunities to steal that seed. So you've got one person completely changed and just blown away by what God's doing in their life and another person somewhere between the front door and the car, the enemy is coming and stealing away the word of God because they've left the atmosphere of their life so distracted, so much traffic, so much of the world pounding through there that, that they're hardened to the point to where God tries to plant something in our lives and, and we just completely miss it. There's a pastor who's on TV all the time, and it's so funny because he talks about this. And he, he talks about the fact that since they're on TV, the cameramen really have a hard time trying to get a crowd shot where everyone is having the same experience. He says it's the funniest thing. You get one guy who's sitting there, he's just crying, his life is being changed. The guy right next to him picking his nose, you know, like <laughs> completely oblivious to what's going on. It's this first group that, that you sign up for counseling and you go to a counselor and ask the counselor to tell you the same thing that you heard on Sunday in church and you're not responding to either because Jesus is saying the atmosphere here is one where the enemy can just get in and steal that word, steal that promise, steal that truth from you. So Jesus warns us, he says, I, I'm sowing seed into people's lives. I'm bringing hope. I'm bringing truth. I want to put something in you that can grow into something that can change your world. But you got to understand that there's a group of people who allow so much of the world to pass through. They're, they're like on a footpath. And the enemy is looking for an opportunity to just come and steal away what God has for you. Then he talks about the second group. So the first group is the, the seed that falls on the footpath. The second group is seed that fell on the rocky soil. You see in verse 20, Jesus explains the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. And they fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The, the Bible mentions that this group received God's word with joy. I think it's interesting that they, the Bible mentions the attitude in which a person would receive God's word. It, it clearly describes that this is an attitude of joy. Some translations say an attitude of gladness. Okay, so you, you come into a church service, you hear it, and you're like, I agree with that. That's awesome. I'm pumped up by that. That's so cool. This, this is talking about a group who received God's word on an emotional level. But don't you know there's a difference between receiving God's word on an emotional level and receiving it all the way down into your spirit? Because on an emotional level, you, you could agree with something, but if you don't allow it to get deep down inside you and change you, if there's no commitment there, then there's going to be no change there. Then what God wants to do in you might not be able to grow there. So he says, this first group of people, they'll come in, they'll hear the word of God, and they're pumped up by it. Man, that's awesome, but there's no commitment to it. 
So there's no roots that grow deep down into the person. See, we can look at other areas of life, and this makes so much sense. It's something we can be very clear on. You know, if, if you agree with something, but you don't commit to it, there will be no change. That's why James tells us that we need to be people who do the word of God, not just hear it. It's not good enough to go and say, I agree with what Jesus teaches and not live it out. Your life will always look the same that way. It'll never change. It'll never get any better. We have to be people who commit to letting God's word grow deep down inside us, take root in our lives. You look at other areas of your life and you go, you know what? You can agree with what they say at the Weight Watchers meeting. Right? You could go to all the meetings and be like pumped up. Yeah, I should exercise more. I should diet more. That's going to be awesome. But if you don't commit to it and you leave there and go to the all-you-can-eat Chinese food buffet, you are not going to change. Or you might change, but maybe in the wrong direction. Right? We look at this and, and it's, it's an area where we take no root. This is talking about shallow people. People who receive the word on a superficial level. We say, yeah, I agree with it. It's good. It's awesome. And I try to make other people believe I agree, but I'm not letting it change who I am. Amelie and I have been to so many different marriage seminars over the years. And, and every time we go to a marriage seminar, we see this play out. Or we see it where there's a group of people, we're there, we're working on our marriages and we're being honest. We're like, we're struggling in this area. We got, you know, we got to be better at working on each other's needs. We got to be better at hearing each other. We got to work better at communication. There's all these different things we're working on. We're being honest. But in every marriage seminar I've always been to, there's always been that couple. And it's the couple that, that on a superficial level, they act like they got it all together. You're like, no, we're fine. This is good information for all you guys. We're doing just fine. It's like we want the world around us to think we're doing okay. And truthfully, what we've seen over and over and over again is normally the couple that's hurting the very most in the room is the couple that is trying to hold it together on the outside and make everything look okay on the outside because they know there's no roots. There's no commitment to what's really taking place in that relationship. See, we have to be people who allow God's word to take root in our life and change us and not just be on a superficial level, not just be where we're, we're acting like we've got it all together. You know, don't you know, whenever you fill out a job resume, when you gave your boss your resume, you turned it into them, the first thing they look at, the first thing I look at anytime someone turns in a resume to me is I turn to the work experience and I want to know how long were you there? How long were you there? Because the first time I see, well, this, this kid's 23 years old and he's had 25 jobs and he's been in all of them for one month. He's telling me he has no root. He's not rooted. There's no staying power there. And see, the difficult thing about this is in good times, okay, you can look at someone who has no root and they look just like everyone else. Because in good times, no difficulty, everything can stand. But the Bible says that when the sun came out and scorched them because they had no root. It's talking about now difficulty comes along. And it, don't you know, anytime difficulty comes along, that exposes the people in your life who have no root. There are people in your life that they're there with you when everything's going good. When income's good, when you can go to the party, when you can go on the vacation, when, when everything's working out, they're there with you, but it's when trouble comes, when it's when struggle comes that you start to see what people were really faithful, what people had no root. In fact, it's our roots that give us the ability to stand through difficult times. When we go through storms in life, it's, it's the storms that test the, test the authenticity of your faith in Christ. 
Are you allowing God's word to change you and get so deep down inside of you that when difficult things happen, you have roots and you're able to stand? We need people around us that, that, that are rooty people. We need people around us who, who, when you're going through a difficult time, they're standing strong, they're standing firm. I look around this room. I know Fellowship Church is over 26 years old now, and there are people that have been a part of our church for 26 years and who have gone through storm after storm after storm, but you keep standing, you keep serving, you keep worshiping God, and it's because God has developed roots in you. God, make me a rooty person. I want to be someone who can, who can stand through the difficult times. But people with no root, I mean, they're hard to work with. They're difficult. They'll, they'll break your heart because they'll stay around just long enough for you to fall in love with them and then they're gone. You know, we, someone with no root, I mean, don't hire them because they're going to quit your job. Don't marry them because they're going to quit your marriage. We need to look for people who have root. People with no root, they'll, they'll just leave you. They'll jump from one church to another. And see, the Bible here says that that they received the word with joy. So on an emotional level, I got here, I'm excited. I love this church, it's awesome. This is the best church ever. On an emotional level, it's cool. And then something happens, someone frustrates the person. There's some sort of problem, some sort of trial. And they're like, oh, I'm out of here. I'm going down the road. I'm going down to the next church. And they're there for a little while. And then someone offends them there and they go down the road to the next church and the next church and the next church. And Jesus is saying, listen, people who don't have roots like they grow up, they're excited for a while, and, and, and then they wither anytime a trial comes, anytime, anytime a struggle comes along the way. It's like, I, I want to be a follower of Christ. I want to be a Christian, but then I got to the office, and they started making fun of me, and they disagree. And their bumper stickers on the car look different than the bumper stickers on my car, and I don't want to have all that conflict, so I guess I'm just going to jump back over to where it's uncomfortable. And Jesus warns us. You can have the seed stolen from your life, but you can also not let it take root in your life. He's saying, don't be one of those first two categories. And then he starts talking about the third category. Third category talks about seed that's been sown among thorns. And he could have used any comparison he wanted, but Jesus talks to us so frankly about what the thorns of life are. And he, he warns us that thorns is the lure of wealth and the worries of this world. He says right here in verse 22, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth so no fruit is produced. The lure of wealth. I was thinking about that. Now, I like fishing, so I was thinking like a, a fishing lure. And what, what is a lure for other than the purpose of, of tempting and drawing someone away into a trap? And, and Jesus uses this language here. And he says, uh, you've got to understand that the idea of wealth is a lure. It's something that it draws you away towards a trap. In fact, there's other translations that in the same verse, it, it, it says the deceitfulness of riches. So wealth is deceitful. It makes a promise it can't fulfill. And anytime someone makes a promise they can't fulfill to you, that is deceit. And what is the promise that wealth can't fulfill? Well, wealth promises happiness. This is the time of year. You turn on the TV, you go to the mall, you see it everywhere. It's being shoved down our throats that if you just have this, then you're going to be happy. If you can just put this toy under the tree, that's going to make your kids happy. It's going to make you happy. If you can afford this vacation, if you could buy this house, if you can get this car, then you're going to be happy. There's this promise that if you can just acquire it, 
if you can get the stuff, that's going to be where happiness is. And Jesus says, don't be fooled by that. That's deceit. It's a lure that's going to drag you away. Don't be confused by that. See, this is why, this is so obnoxious to God when we get in this way because what's happening is, is when we start seeking things, start seeking money, start seeking stuff to try to make us happy, it's like we begin worshiping the gift instead of the giver. Okay, it like, if, if I could just get that, then I'm gonna feel fulfilled. That, so my desire stops being God, it becomes the gift. It's like if I were to, give you a gift and, and you decide to keep the gift and then you don't want to talk to me anymore. Like if, if I decide like, hey, I think you're awesome, I'll grab you after the service and I'm going to throw you the keys to a car. Here's a big gift, I'm giving you a car. And you're like, man, that's awesome. You take the car and you leave me. Like, wait a minute, right? You had a chance for all of this, okay? <laughs> Sorry, that was really awkward. <laughs> But think about it, you, you, you turn away from the giver and just keep the gift. That's, that, that's why it frustrates God when, when man will turn to like worshiping the universe or worshiping Mother Nature or something like that because here, here we are worshiping the creation and not the creator. So we got to look at this and, and ask ourselves the question, is, is the lure I'm searching for in wealth, is it, is it something that's tempting me? Is it something that's trapping me? Is it something that's choking out what's going on that Jesus is trying to do in my life? Because see, what they don't tell you in all these advertisements where they try to sell you the bigger house, the, the better vacation, all, all the new stuff, what they don't tell you is that wealthy people, there's just as many wealthy people that are committing suicide as in any other class. There's just as many wealthy people that are hooked on sleep medication than any other class. In fact, there's a lot of, there's homeless people that get a full night's sleep. But, but there's people with a whole lot of things that, that once they received it and they stress about it, now there's so much more pressure because of the things that they've acquired. It gets them to a point to where they're so worried with the concerns of this life, concerns of the world going on around us, that now I can't even get a full night's sleep at night. And Jesus warns us, he's like, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm putting seed into your life. And one of the areas that we have to be careful for is not allowing the, the lure of wealth, or the worries of this world to start growing in and choking out that seed. Because that's what the Bible says, it started growing up for a while, but then there were thorns that began growing with the seed and choking out that seed. See, Amelie and I have had a garden every uh, year in our backyard for the last several years. And as we've done this, there's been some years we've done really good where we go out there and, and, and meticulously we, we pull all the weeds and we, we take hoes and rakes and drag everything back away from the plant that we planted so that it could grow without anything crowding out. And we've done that to where like three nights a week we come home and we're weeding the garden. And, and after the first year, we had so much stuff in our garden. We had strawberries and cantaloupes and everything just looked great. And I got to tell you, the next year, um, we were quite a bit more lazy, to be honest. We just, I get home, like, it's hot. I don't want to go weed the garden right now. We'll get it the next day, the next day, the next day. We finally go out there, and we just have weeds everywhere. And we had no fruit. Like, all of our strawberry bushes that were great the year before, no fruit on them. They're just weeds everywhere. And, like, down in the bottom, there's, there's some strawberries down in the bottom. And, and see, what we began to recognize is that when you see the potential 
and you see how important a seed is, you will begin to protect that seed. And you'll say, wait a minute, if God wants to plant something in my life, I want that so much more than anything the world can offer to me, any desires I have, any choice towards, to go towards wealth, any, anything where I would be worried about. I want that so much more. I want what God has so much more than that, that I'm going to take this rake or this hole and I'm going to pull back everything that threatens the safety of that seed. Because what is seed? What is seed than potential? What is seed if it's, if it's not promise? What, what is seed if it's not a tree in disguise? See, God will do great things in your life, and some of the greatest things God will ever do in your life, he gives it to you in seed form. And if you recognize, if you see how important the seed is, if you see what God plants in your life, the outcome you could have down the road, how important it is, you would do anything to protect it. A couple weeks ago, my father was standing down here with an apple, and he cut it open, he pulled a seed out, and he said, the, the mystery of this apple, the mystery of the fruit is all held in the seed. And you have an entire orchard is just in the seed right here. It can go into the ground, and it can multiply. And if you see the orchard, and you see how great the orchard is, any one of us would say, you know what, I'm not going to let anything get in the way. I'm going to protect this seed that's in the ground. So if, so, if there's a thorn coming up that's going to choke this out, it's got to go. If there's worldly distractions that are coming through and stomping that ground down, it's got to go. If there's anything that could, could harm this seed in my life, it's got to go. See, anything great that God does in our life, he begins it in seed form. He might speak into you, a promise for your life. He might, he might give you a dream for a business. And, and you look at other people's businesses and you see how far down the road they are and you think, well, I want that. I want the big picture. Where, and we start looking at other people's orchards instead of realizing maybe God has already planted something in you that he just wants you to tend the soil on. He just wants you to protect. He just wants you to water. He wants you to be obedient to that small thing. You know, when God first began speaking to me about going into ministry, uh, I really felt a call into ministry when I was a teenager, when I was a, uh, a kid. And it being about 12, 13, 14 years old in that time, I didn't hear God say, Dan, I'm going to make you a senior pastor of a church. I'm going to make you the senior pastor. That is not what God told me. God first said, Dan, why don't you sign up and start working in children's ministry? And Dan, that, that boy there, why don't you go to his baseball game, watch him, and begin to explain to him how much Jesus loves him. And, and I started tending the ground where Jesus told me to. I took that little seed, and I had no idea where I was going to end up now. But the problem with our generation, guys, let's be honest, is it's my generation right now that struggles with this. I want what everyone else has, but I want it right now. I want the wealth that my parents have, but I want it right now. I want that type of a family, that type of a marriage, but I want it right now. So we look and we say, that, that's, that's a great husband, a great married man. And we think, oh, I want, I want a husband like that right this second. Or that's a great woman, and I want something like that right this second. Where God, what he does is he puts seed form in us. <laughs> and the wife is in the woman. And, and the husband is in the man. And the business is in the dream that God has given you. The breakthrough is in the obedience that God has already told you to do. So it, it goes into the ground and 
And Jesus is just waiting for us. Are we going to till the soil? Are we going to work on the little thing that God told us? Are we going to be focused everywhere else? That's why the book of Zechariah says this. In Zechariah 4.10 it says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see work begin. So many times the big things that God does in our life starts in seed form. Fellowship Church started as a seed. That was a dream and a hope in a young man's life who was living in Texas working as an associate pastor there. And then you know my father and my mother took that dream and they came here and they began tilling the soil and they began working. And it grew into what it was, not overnight. So we can't be the type of people who look at other other people's vineyards, other people's orchards and think, well, I want that right now. What we have to do is look at the ground and say, God, am I... Is my ground ready for the seed that you want, to till, you want me to till into the soil? Is my ground ready for what you want to do in my life? Am I letting too much distraction through it? You know, am I allowing your word to get deep enough into me where I become rooted? And I'm not just getting offended and leaving over this or over that. I'm not quitting that person, not quitting this relationship, not quitting that marriage, not quitting this job. Just because another thing's coming along, but I'm going to start rooting myself. You know, am I, am, I, am I doing the work to till the soil and get stuff away that could potentially harm what God wants to do in my life? So you say, Dan, okay, th- this is all great. It's a good teaching, but what do you do with that? Okay? If, if Matthew chapter 13, this is what Jesus teaches, what do I do? How do I go home and make a change? What do I do differently? Well, this is what Jesus says At the end of this, he talked about the first three groups. And then he talks about the fourth group. He says, the seed that fell on good soil, good soil, represents those who truly hear and understand God's word. And they produce a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much as has been planted. So Jesus says this fourth group here is the group that's good soil. It's good soil. You hear and you understand God's word. And what's so cool about this is he doesn't just want to see a plant grow, but he wants to multiply blessings in your life. If you become good soil, he wants to to take the ground of your life and have you produce 30, 60, even 100 times as much has been planted in your life. And I think for every one of us, we'd say, yeah, I want that. What's interesting about this is in this parable, The farmer that went out sowing seed, he sowed the same seed into all four soils. The the first group, the second group, the third group, they all had the same seed as the fourth group. The difference was the quality of the soil. So it causes us to pause for a moment and ask the question, are you good soil? Are you working on the soil of your life and allowing your life to be that in which something God can plant, that which he could trust seed to you. I think a good way for us to end this um, is to just pause for a moment. I want to ask everyone to stand to your feet. And with no one looking around, I just want to take this and make it real personal for a minute. And I want to ask you, do you feel like your life has good soil right now? Because maybe, I think if we were honest, there'd be some of us in this room, we'd say, you know what, I I probably don't relate as much to the the fourth group as I do to maybe the first, second, or third. 
Maybe you say, you know what? I've got so much of the world passing through me, pounding down the soil of my life, um, distracting me. So many other things that are pulling my focus away to where where maybe the soil of my life has been hardened a little bit. Maybe the enemy is stealing from me. Because I'll come into church services and I'll hear things and I feel like it's really good, but then I leave here and I just I go back to feeling like I'm just doing the same old thing, just the same old struggle, same thing I was praying about 10 years ago and 20 years ago, just the same old thing. Or maybe you say I'm more like the second group. I get pumped up about things. I want to see God do awesome work in my life. I, I think it's awesome, but I never, it's like I agree with it, but I never really commit to it. I, I agree that God's way is the best way for my life, but I've never made changes in my life in order to follow him. So it's like I grow up for a little bit, and then, and then something happens, and I find myself falling away. Or maybe you say I'm in the last group. You say, I, I probably have some things I've been pursuing in my life some distractions, some lure of wealth, some worries about what's on the news and about the world and about if I'm going to eat tomorrow and all these different things to where I'm focused on, I'm letting everything else grow up around me instead of just letting this promise that God has planted in me grow. So I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes with no one looking around. If, if you would say, you know what? I feel like maybe the soil of my life is, has not been good for things to grow. If that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you or bring you down here or whatever. I just want to pray for you. If you feel like that's you, I, I want to ask you to just be real honest so I can pray with you and put your hand up in the air for a second. Wow. That's a lot of us. That's a lot of us in this room. You put your hand back down. Thank you. Thank you. I think first off, what every one of us should do, and I, and I hope you'll take the time, you, you owe it to yourself to do this. Take just a moment right now in this second and ask Jesus, God, is there something I need to remove from the soil of my life? Ask him that. Because there comes a point where you want what God wants to do in your life so much more than anything else that, that you start to say, if there's something that could harm the potential of what God could do in my life, the dreams he could make come through, I, 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 it's got to go. It can't stay. Right now, I believe God is speaking into some of you some things that maybe we need to, to get rid of in our life. Maybe some sin patterns. Maybe some things you go back to over and over again. And you go, you know what? This, this marriage that God has planted in my life, I, I, I can't let anything harm it. I've got to go home and we're just going to disconnect the internet when I get home because I can't have things pulling me away from my marriage anymore. Maybe you're saying, you know what? There, there's a sin pattern I go back to, an addiction over and over and over again. It's like uh, I'm just allowing the enemy to continue to come and steal what God wants from me. I want to encourage you right now to ask God, what is it that you want to change in the environment of my life. I think for some of you in here, there's a, there's a seed God has planted in your life and he's asked you to be obedient in an area. Maybe he's asked you to serve. He's, he's asked you to work on a relationship, to forgive someone. Maybe you start trusting him with a certain area of your life, finances or something like that. Whatever it is, ask him what that is. 
And then for every one of you that just raised your hand a minute ago and you said, you know what, I don't feel like my soil has been that good. I want to just pray right now and let's repent and ask God to forgive us for hardened soil, for rocky soil, for, for thorny soil. So right now in Jesus' name, I pray that you would forgive us for where we let the world trample down our lives, our hearts. I pray, God, you'd forgive us for where we, we, we've desired wealth and we've desired so many other things that are just choking out what you're trying to do in our lives. And, and God, you've already given us such a beautiful gift of a seed and we want to see that come to fruition in our lives. So I pray right now for every person in this room that you would make us good soil. I'm here right now in Jesus' name. Every person in this room is good soil. That God, you've begun a tilling work in our lives and you've begun doing doing work um, in our minds and in our hearts so that God, as you plant into us, God, we would so be able to receive the seed of your promise, of potential, of truth. That God, the blessings would come Galatians 6, 9 says, Do not become weary in doing well, for you will reap a harvest in due time if you do not give up. I think there's some marriages in this room that you've been thinking about giving up. But the seed that's been in the darkness, working there in the ground, it's it's growing, and and you're going to see a tree, you're going to see an orchard, you're going to see fruit, you're going to see a blessing, but you can't give up on it. God, I thank you that I know right now you're speaking to so many people on different levels about different things in this room, and we thank you that your Holy Spirit comes and teaches us that way. So right now, just like Jesus said, where you said, if you have ears to hear, then listen and understand. It is my hope and my prayer now that every one of us would listen and understand and that you would till the soil of our lives and make every one of us good soil so that we can begin to see things produced in our lives. God, where we failed you and where we've made mistakes, I pray that you would help us to leave here and make changes. Not to just say, yeah, I agree with it, it's a good word, but I'm leaving here and I'm making changes and I'm committing, committing to it because, God, I want deep roots. I want to be able to stand when I go through difficult times. So, Jesus, we thank you for this teaching. We thank you for what you're doing in each and every one of our lives. And I pray today that you would bless us, that we would experience your love your grace, your mercy more and more today. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's give Jesus a shout of praise. He's good. He's so good.